y'all. This is Allie, and you're listening to the Abode House Church Podcast. Welcome to the Abode Church Podcast. The Abode Church is a group of house churches made up of believers who are coming together to become people who abide in Jesus. I am your host, Justin Shree, and I am super excited to be with you today. Hey guys, today on the podcast we are going to have Allie. She co-leads the Abode Dallas with Carla. She has been a part of the abode for quite some time. She was a leader in Houston before she moved to Dallas. I do want to preface our conversation by saying there is a bit of content that may be sensitive for young ears. It's not really bad, just some personal struggles where Allie shares some vulnerability. So I just want to caution discretion if you are listening to this around people to maybe put in headphones or listen to this another time or just so you have a heads up so that there's no surprises. But without any further ado, let's hop into my conversation with Allie. Hey, Allie. Hey there. It's nice to have you here on the Abode Podcast. For anyone who doesn't know you, would you introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about you. Who is Allie? Yeah, definitely. So um, my name's Allie, short for Alejandra, but I feel like Allie's a lot easier (laughs) for people to say sometimes. But I live in Dallas currently. I've been here since August of 2018. I'm attending Dallas Baptist University. I'm a junior. Technically, I'm a super, super senior, but we'll go into detail about that. It's all good. It's all in God's timing, right? But yeah, I'm originally from Houston. Um, I hail from spring. My roots in the abode started as, or I started as a leader of prayer with Molly in uh, the Houston location. And uh, now we're here. In Dallas. So, yeah. Awesome. Tell us about your testimony. How did you come to know Jesus? How have you grown closer to him in that time? Just walk us through your faith story, how God has worked in you. Yeah. So, (laughs) really, I didn't have a specific aha moment, but kind of looking back, I mean, obviously, hindsight is something 20. Looking back, God's pursuit of me was like unyielding, super hot. Like, he did not stop. And I feel like that's just how it's been the whole time. So in 2015, I was a sophomore at Texas State University in San Marcos, and I was hospitalized. I had attempted to overdose, and from that, kind of decided to move back home, get my bearings, back home to spring. And I worked full-time at this company called The Perfect Light. It's a Christian company, which was super cool how it kind of introduced it self to uh, my life. I had uh, met most of the leaders at the abode through the perfect light and then kind of went from there. But honestly, like I said, there wasn't a specific moment where I felt Jesus just kind of like, you know, explode or anything like that. It's just somewhere in between I I became a believer. And I really think it was through the testimonies of the people that I met at the perfect light. So through Austin, through Tanner, through a couple of their friends, John and just all these other people, like just solid people. I don't know. It was just really different because <laughs> you hear some other people's, not to compare, but you hear other people's testimonies and it's like, this happened, this happened. And then, you know, so coming into this and honestly being kind of, you know, two years shy of being a Christian and <laughs> having that as a testimony was disheartening at first, but the more it grows, the more it kind of shows me how, how God speaks to us individually and, I honestly wouldn't have it any other way. And then this cool thing happened in the summer of 2018, last summer, where I 
was given tickets by Austin and Anna to go to the Upper Room Conference. Upper Room is a church up here in Dallas. So went to that conference. My life completely flipped. (laughs) Uh, I felt God kind of lead me to Dallas to come to DBU to finish my studies and just to, I guess, learn more about him. And that's where we are now. So... (laughs) Awesome. So I wasn't aware that Tanner also worked at the Perfect Light. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm still, I'm newer to the abode myself. I've only been attending since around October, I'd say. Mm -hmm. But I grew up with Austin and with John and with a couple of other people. And so it's crazy because I guess that was the first cult of the abode and now it's Starbucks. I don't know how (laughs) much you paid attention to the Houston group lately, but I'm pretty sure like three quarters of our members are employees at Starbucks so yeah yeah that's crazy but I do want to throw one thing out there as mm-hmm. well because you you said something that I've heard a lot of people say before and myself included is that I for a long time was nervous to share my testimony because I got heavily involved in drinking and in drugs and in mm. chasing after pleasures that didn't really ever fulfill me mm-hmm. and because of that, like I felt almost stained and tarnished in a way that wasn't able to be used by God. And because I had some pretty supernatural experiences with God at some points in time in my life where I really heard from him clearly, but part of me and was was thinking, you know, people will say that didn't really happen because look at who you were. And it's super stereotypical, but you know, God could never use someone like you. There's lots of things that I could say to that, but I think one thing for all people to remember about their testimony is whether your testimony was growing up in a Christian household where that's all you ever knew and you didn't have any struggles and you just grew up knowing God, that's awesome, or whether it took you the longest path to get to God. The one thing people can never discredit about you is your testimony. And First Peter tells us to always be prepared to give an answer for the faith that we have. And so I think that is your testimony, is that mm. answer and that reason for your faith. And so it sounds like you've come to grips with that. But for anyone who may be listening, who's feeling that same struggle, that same burden that my story's not good enough or my story doesn't matter or I have no reason to say and stand in this truth— People can argue with you whether they are right or wrong about whatever theology you may have, whatever beliefs you may hold. But the one thing that nobody can argue with you for is your personal testimony and your personal encounters that you've had with God. And that is something that you should always hold on to and share with anybody that you get the chance to because stories are powerful. You know, we're moved by those kinds of things. We love a good story a good heart engaging, you know, we love to get emotional or get excited or feel like the the hero or the princess or whatever it may be. We love to relate to those things. Yeah, word. I feel that. (laughs) Through that testimony, through that working in your life, what do you believe is the message that God has placed in you to share? Because you do have a, a unique testimony, you know, that coming close to death, to be quite frank, like there's power in that. What do you feel is the message that God's wanting you to share through his radical, you know, you said that you feel like you were constantly pursued by him. What in that pursuit and in that passion that he's shown you, has he laid on your heart for others? Yeah. I used to be very afraid to share my testimony or just even to share, disclose any type of information that had to do with my mental health in general. 
I guess just more so weary because I normally am this joyful person and it just goes against my entire, you know, MO to try to go and do something like that. But I think the one thing that I'm starting to love more about God that I know he's kind of revealed through my testimony and just daily for me is that transparency and being genuine with others is absolutely crucial to commune with other people on earth. I feel like withholding information from others, not necessarily, okay, there's discernment, right? (laughs) So you can disclose whatever information that you feel comfortable. Like I'm not going to pry information out of you. It's not how it works. But to feel like you're alone or to feel as if you're the only person that feels this way is absolutely a lie from the enemy. And that's just, that's one of those things that I, I really feel like God is revealing to me through this time is that it, it doesn't matter. Like we are all suffering in some way, shape or form. And that's the whole point of us sharing it is to be able to come together on these similar terms and talk about it and just be able to work through it together as a community and then be able to bring God glory through those those messages because I feel like I've learned that suffering can be a form of worship if it is done in the correct way. Like there are copious amounts of passages in the Bible that like kind of illuminate on that. And I really do feel this sounds so like hyper romantic of me and just what literary whatever, but like I, I really do see the beauty in suffering and not many people can say that they have an amicable relationship with it, you know? So I just think, again, genuineness and transparency amongst each other is, is just absolutely crucial. And knowing that you're not alone in the things that we do. And again, like God is always there for us. And that is something that, you know, we're still learning. I'm still learning, but it's definitely shown even more through other people. And I absolutely love that. I really, I'm pursuing my psychology degree here at DBU, and I'm actually starting my accelerated program next semester, so I will be graduating with a BA, and then the next semester with my master's, so um, I plan on being a counselor with that, and, and just, I really feel that it goes hand in hand with being genuine with others and helping and all that other stuff, so, yeah. yeah I've been, the last few months, I've really been learning more about being transparent Mm. and the the need of not just being honest i've come to grasp honest is you know (laughs) if you ask me a question i'll answer it truthfully whereas transparency is me coming just laying it out on the table and living my life openly and like you said obviously there's discernment and uh, oftentimes it's more beneficial especially from positions of leadership to share things sometimes after they've happened Mm -hmm. and you've gathered how to share that in a way to bring growth and teaching. But I think especially as leaders, being transparent as possible is just crucial because when you as a leader are transparent, it encourages those who you are leading to be transparent as well. And when we're transparent before each other, it's a lot easier to be transparent before God. And as silly as it is with a God who knows the deepest parts of us, we still, for whatever reason, try to hide and run. And the beautiful thing is he's always right there pursuing us, as you talked about in your testimony. But I found Mm -hmm. through being transparent with others, I'm a lot more transparent with God as well. Mm -hmm. That's just a, it really is. And to go on with your comment on suffering, I, I will say talking about finding the beauty in it is a bit different from me. But I can say that as much as I hate it, 
I do believe that suffering and persecution is so critical and foundational for believers. And I don't yeah. know if I'd call it beautiful because I don't always like it, <laughs> but I do see the necessity and the benefits and the growth that come from it. Yeah, as you're definitely. talking about, is constantly talked about in scripture. I mean, we follow a a suffering Messiah, especially in Mark, you know, Jesus is the suffering Messiah. You know, he's a lot of things, but that's one of the core foundational identities of Jesus. And mm. he suffered on our behalf. And it's not just a maybe, it's a promise that we're going to. But in that, you know, gold takes fire to be refined. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we take some fires and some trials to be as well. But it's beautiful to know that God is right there pursuing us through it all. That's great, though, Allie. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I'm going to go a little bit off script again. Mm -hmm. I, I did the same thing with Carla. I should just adjust this. <laughs> and I should have maybe asked this earlier as well, but we're just going to go for it now. So you okay. mentioned a bit about getting connected to the abode from the perfect light, right? Mm -hmm. And getting introduced to the people from that there. Take us through a little bit, maybe if you'd go a bit more in depth on how exactly that looked. Were you just working there? Did did you go to, to you said you're from the spring area. Were you a Klein Oak student or a Woods Edge youth member? Or was yeah. there previous roots with that? So <laughs> about that, that whole orchestration of getting that job was absolutely divine. Because when I moved back, I wanted to get an administrative job and you need administrative experience to get in an administrative job. So that was very disheartening. But aside from all that, I went to a temp agency and they placed me at the perfect light, basically. And so I was just starting as a receptionist. And then I became a helper, I guess you could say an assistant to all the people there, which was really neat because I got to see the inner workings of you know, a business. And then on top of that, like I got to start building these connections with these godly people. And although they had kind of a high turnover rate with people, um, I met, you know, people came and go, but it was very, very, it was awesome just being able to see all these people. But I want to say John brought in Austin in 2016. And I had only met him a couple times, but John was definitely the linking factor because he was regional vice president um, over our area. So that's how I came to know Austin. And then Austin brought in Tanner and then Austin brought all, all these other people. So yeah. um, I kind of got to connect with them through the perfect light. And to be honest, I mean, I'm going to say I worked there for two, two and a half years, maybe. I think for the first year that I worked there, I genuinely ran from God. <laughs> so I mean, it was all around me, the people were speaking it over me. And just I not openly rejected it, but in my heart, definitely rejected the idea just of a loving God and a pursuing God. And I would try to test them every once in a while. And oh, <laughs> those were interesting times. Over time, it developed and I was exposed to it. I was exposed to like the qualities of God through these people. Um, and it was a great experience. And when Austin started the abode in 2016, I had visited maybe a couple times, but I, really, I still really didn't know who God was and just what the whole thing was behind it, you know? And so, but it wasn't until maybe the summer of 2017, I don't know. I can't, honestly can't remember times, but it basically it took a grip for me to be able to open up my heart and go and actually like get over myself and meet up with these awesome people. And 
by golly, I'm so glad that I did because very, very genuine, God-loving people. And I'm just, I'm so attracted to that. So, yeah. 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 So you mentioned from, from your time at the abode, you became a leader over prayer. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten to hear a bit of Carla's testimony. And Carla does, you know, y'all are co-leading in Dallas together. So a lot of what she shared is, you know, me and Allie, me mm-hmm. and Allie. And, and I'm sure some of yours is going to be, you know, me and Carla. But trying to lean more into your personal side of the partnership while yes Carla's in there too but for you personally what was part of the motivating factor what led you to starting the abode in Dallas and what led you to that but also what was some of the biggest challenges you faced I know that y'all have only been meeting for about two months yeah so um Austin had mentioned I think over the summer Austin and Carla were coordinating over last summer and they reached out to me because they knew I was going to DVU. And they asked me, if, what do you think about leading a house church? What do you think about starting the abode in Dallas? And at that time, whenever I had first moved here, I was really struggling with homesickness and a bunch of other stuff. So I kind of let my emotion dictate me and I, I let fear overcome me. And I just felt <laughs> inadequate. Like, I, I, just to be completely blunt, I, was, I felt the idea scared me. <laughs> So we ended up, you know, just kind of letting it go for a semester. Things settled settled down. And then I saw them both over Christmas break because we had a meeting and they had brought it up again. And at that point, I felt a lot more acquainted with my surroundings. And on top of that, like, I already knew who Carla was and she's a super awesome person. So I was like, you know what? Why not? Why not? Right. Yeah. So uh, we met on our first meeting was on Valentine's Day. We were kind of, Carl and I were brainstorming beforehand because already the context of where we're in, it's a college campus. It's yeah. a whole different city. Like the people that attend are most likely college age, right? Like we have a different lifestyle compared to, well, compared to Houston, but just like in general, there's, there's a whole college lifestyle that is a whole different tangent, but I'm not even going to go into that. But we wanted to kind of accommodate that and be able to offer like a a pause in the week for people to just come commune and like be with Jesus for at least an hour or two. And I mean, that's the essence of pretty much any house church, but I feel like in a college setting, we do tend to put our studies and, and just, you know, worldly things above God, where it is God that feeds into those things and we kind of have it flip flops. So Um, just being able to reintroduce that into the culture, even though it's already a a Christian culture here. Cause I mean, obviously Dallas Baptist, but still, I mean, you're still here to get good grades, still here to do this. There are a lot of outside pressures and we just wanted to offer a kind of a sanctuary, like just a place to be able to rest for everybody that decided to come. And that was another thing is Carla and I were chewing on these ideas and we're like, man, we don't even know how many people are going to come. We don't even know like who God's going to bring us. And I think just the uncertainty that enveloped that entire situation was really what was unnerving for both of us. And we both had these, there are rational fears, but um, fears of just not having enough people, not saying the right things, not accommodating them the correct way, and just performance anxiety pretty much. That can really hinder who God made you to be for other people to see. So if you kind of act out of character and try to be this person and try to do this like it's an obvious not genuine type thing so 
we had to combat that while still having the fears kind of floating yeah. around. And I feel like that was one of the biggest obstacles. But honestly, like when we met that first, when we met on Valentine's Day, it legitimately just flew <laughs> away. Yeah. All those fears completely flew away. And given they do come back every once in a while, but, you know, just flutters and nervousness. But it, it's it's nothing. Like getting together and just communing and being in fellowship with a bunch of other peers and students that are pretty much where we're at <laughs> mentally age-wise, all of it is just, it's so awesome to be able to just rest and do that because life is busy. I mean, you can be a student, you could be a full-time worker, you could be a child and life is just busy at all points. And that's, that's what we wanted to express is that it's just rest to be able to take a step back from life and kind of address that. Another thing that we really wanted to pontificate was the idea of no expectations on terms of like, when you come in this door, you don't have any expectations pinned on you to perform a certain way, to think a certain way, to have to filter yourself, just an open concept place (laughs) where you can be safe. And on me and Carla's end, we wanted to know expectations type thing, not necessarily to not have structure, but more so to let the spirit move and let things flow and not hold ourselves to a standard of what we think a leader is because there are so many different types of ways to lead that you can't just pinpoint one and, uh, you know, assume that role. So I feel like that's one of the biggest things that we kind of express in our group too. So this may be the, the dad in me coming with dad (laughs) jokes, but would it be fitting to say that, perfect love casted out fear when y'all met on valentine's day <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> I, i'm sorry i couldn't yeah i just i couldn't help myself but yeah it's it's crazy now you and carla shared a lot of the same difficulties which funnily enough was also shared by austin and myself in our testimonies <laughs> you know i was a student at abilene christian at a christian school as well and heck i was a bible major And some of my biggest faith struggles were in college. There was the whole issue that I've talked about, I think actually with Carla two weeks ago, I talked about the issue of the fact that not all Christian college students really lived a Christian life. Mm-hmm. But I also found myself as a Bible major, as someone who is going to school to work in ministry full time. Mm-hmm. And I found myself not having enough time to spend with God Um, because of my schoolwork and my excuse like I had the best excuse of all right my excuse was half of my homework is reading the bible so that will count it I saw yeah I saw my spiritual life like don't get me wrong because if anyone who knows me through the abode can attest that I really connect with God in deep and analytical and thought-provoking ways like I geek out over this stuff I really draw close to God But it's one thing to do that in my personal time, and it's another thing to do that because my professor told me, you know, I have to read four books from the Old Testament between Tuesday and Thursday. And those are two completely different things, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I was finding myself personally running dry. And so many people might think, you know, what's the point in starting a house church at a Christian campus or whatever? (laughs) But everybody needs Jesus. We all need to experience him hand in hand. And so 
I think that's just a great thing. And mm-hmm. I understand the, the difficulties facing that, but also the need for it. And then I also wanted to say one more thing. And I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record as some of these <laughs> podcasts go on. But I think it's so important for us to remember that this idea of fear of how we perform in one sense, yeah, we don't need to fear because the Holy Spirit is working and through is working through us, is empowering us, it's giving us answers when we don't know what to say. But on the other end, I think there is a healthy balance of this almost nervous tenderness to carrying such a profound truth, you know, that that yeah. you do it's powerful. It is the word of God, you know, and so there should be this reverence for it in one end. I think that is healthy to an extent, but, but so there's this balance to hold. And I've been working in full-time or part-time or volunteer ministry since my junior year in high school, when I was on student leadership and playing in the band Mm -hmm. in my youth group. And I can tell you that it's gotten easier, but it's not fully gone away. One of my mentors who was full-time on staff at one of the 10 largest churches in the nation for 20 plus years. And now he trains other youth workers. He talks about, he still speaks regularly and he still talks about that. He is just like sick to his stomach the day before he speaks Oh boy! because he holds this. And so, you know, sometimes it's never going to go away, but it is awesome. And just a testimony to God working through us to know that even in those nerves, God still comes through. His message is still going to prevail. You know, Paul tells in Philippians that whether I'm in prison or I'm free or whatever it's going to be, like Christ's name, his gospel is going to be proclaimed. Mm. And so knowing that we're a vehicle that God is going to work through and we don't have to have it all together because his spirit is working through us and in our weakness, he is made strong, I think is just a powerful testimony for you to share again, you know, with your testimony. Like, how are you starting a house church? I don't really know besides the <laughs> fact that that God's spirit is enabling me to do so. Like, yeah. you mentioned feeling more comfortable between the fall and the spring, but was there a huge change in Alley besides maybe comfortability? You know, did you get like this divine new ability to speak and to preach? Right, maybe, no. but probably not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yet, you know, the Holy Spirit is still empowering you. And I think that's something that any of us can know as we want to go into our workplaces and our families and wherever it may be and share the gospel and share the love of God with other people to be bold, to step out because it's his spirit that's going to empower us wherever it is. Yeah, actually, it's weird. (laughs) just thought about this testimony, but um, we had a speaker at chapel last week that came and um, he is a well-known preacher here in Dallas and he has a speech impediment like he stutters and it's a lifelong thing. He's been dealing with it his entire life, obviously what I just said, but um, (laughs) he played football and he felt that football was his identity because whenever he spoke, people were kind of like, Oh, you know, off put because he couldn't do that, but he could perform. He could show like, Hey, I'm a good football player. And you know, this, that, and the other. And he was a very prominent figure in FCA, the fellowship of Christian athletes. And so he went to go play football at Baylor And he spoke at a couple FCA events, but he had, you know, touched, not touched, gone into actually great detail about 
how he was so anxious to speak in front of people because he was afraid of the way they would see him because of his stuttering problem. And he was saying how at one of the FCA meetings, he had spoke the most fluently he, you know, had ever in his entire life. And to this day, he, he sent, he says he couldn't ever speak that clear. Right. But at another FCA meeting, he completely butchers it and he's older and just, he goes over this testimony. You can hear the pain and the embarrassment and the guilt and everything from it. But that one meeting and that testimony had led more people to Christ than his one where he spoke fluently just because the Holy Spirit was moving in the room. So he was sitting here sweating bullets, stuttering, you know, falling over himself and not knowing what to say. And there were still people like God was still moving in there. It doesn't matter what was coming out of the room, but just him allowing God to use him as a vessel and speak life into these people, even though it might've not been, you know, the best way he wanted, but it was still that, that was so powerful to me. And of course, while he's saying this, he wasn't stuttering. And it was just, it was really empowering. It was super empowering. I wish I could remember his name. I feel bad now. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, one of one of my, what I thought to be best sermons I ever gave, I, I had a family member tell me I did a really good job. One of the ones that I walked off the stage feeling super discouraged. And I was like that, I don't know why I'm paid to do this. <laughs> I get off the stage and like, I'm just swarmed by people who, had these profound takeaways. I'm like, you could have got up there and shared that and given a better message than I did. <laughs> but they got this profound truth through my fumbling, through my poor preparation, through what I really thought I dropped the ball on. The mm. spirit was working in. And it's sometimes humbling how he does that. Actually, it's usually <laughs> humbling how he does that. But it's also super encouraging to me mm-hmm. to know that sometimes I don't have it all together. And and sometimes in those times where I'm like, hey, God, I've got this message coming up and I, I've done all I can. I don't know what else. And I really surrendered to him. And he's like, don't worry, I'll take care of the rest. Mm. That's, I was going to ask if you could name drop that you mentioned. You, you don't remember I can't remember his I name. Understand. I feel so bad. <laughs> it's awesome. That's he uh, used to be um, quarterback at Baylor, I guess. But yeah. I yeah, I <laughs> It's not Robert Griffin III, and it's probably not my middle school football coach. Those are the only two Baylor quarterbacks that I knew. Um, And my middle school quarterback, or my middle school football coach was the backup quarterback at Baylor, so it definitely probably wasn't him. Hey, that's still full ride, right? (laughs) Yeah, he probably wasn't preaching either. I remember. Oh, boy. Yeah, we won't name drop him. He was a great guy, great football coach, Mm -hmm. not a pastor. Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> moving along. So okay. what is your hope for the abode? I'm looking forward the coming months, couple of years, your ideal dream for the abode, both Dallas, but maybe corporately as a whole as well. Yeah. So just kind of allow God to do what he wants with whatever. I know in the foreseeable future, as long as I'm here, as long as Carl is here, is that we're really just sticking to the no expectations thing not necessarily just letting it go buck wild or anything, but, you know, just letting the spirit move and allowing us to grow along with the abode itself. Yeah. And yeah, just really hanging on to that no expectations thing. I know it sounds very like, yeah, <laughs> sit back, yeah. let God do it. But honestly, like that's true submission to God's will is just really sitting back and letting him do everything while working at the same time. But yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, just still being able to share fellowship with others in the Lord's presence, just kind of take it day by day, see where it goes, you know, I'm here for it. <laughs> so 
Sweet. Mm-hmm. Hey, so last thing that I want to end on, actually, just to give a quick brag to you, I haven't done this with anybody yet, but the Abode Leadership has a message group for how can we be praying for each other, whatever it is. And actually, I think it was, yeah, this morning. How is mm-hmm. everyone doing today? Is there anything I can pray for y'all for? And I was like, why have I not asked anybody else this so far out of a couple of people? So thank you for introducing the power of prayer to yeah. uh, to the podcast. So how can we be praying for Allie as well as the Abode Dallas in the next week or two, is, especially as we're focusing on, on y'all in this podcast and what's going on in y'all's lives? Boy, oh boy. So, you know, since we're mostly comprised of students, I would say definitely for us to remember that God, God is always the constant for us. As students, we're always changing, like genuinely every semester, every half a year, we have a different schedule, we have different meetups, stuff like that. And honestly, it's changing ourselves. I mean, we're all changing at all points in time, but specifically like these college years are crucial to everybody's development growth, spiritual life, everything. And it can become (laughs) a tad discombobulating to us, I guess, to anybody. But basically just prayer for endurance and courage throughout, I guess, the duration of our actual career, our, you know, college careers, just as a group. And then to Carl and I as leaders, definitely the performance anxiety thing and just blowing all those expectations out of the water and embracing who we are as God's children and giving the other people the opportunity to be able to open up and be who they are genuinely through God as well. This is such a neat opportunity to be able to still serve the abode, but a different dynamic and to be able to commune with like college students and just kind of go through life with everybody. And it's really, really neat. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Well, Allie, thank you so much for being on the podcast this week with us. It was great for us to be able to hear from you. Is there anything you would like to say before we hang up? (laughs) Um, Yeah, just I guess to all the leaders, like, thank you all for being so supportive and encouraging and just honestly believing in me (laughs) when I didn't believe in myself, because that's a good 95% of the time. And (laughs) to be, you know, blunt, I definitely wouldn't be where I am without y'all. So super grateful for you guys. Love y'all lots. And I miss y'all. And yeah, so super, super blessed, super thankful. And let's get it. I'm, I'm hyped. Let's go. <laughs> hey guys, wasn't that awesome getting to hear from Allie? There's so many similarities in the passion and the desires of her for the abode that was shared with Carla as well as the abode in general. But it's really interesting that the two leaders of Dallas, you hear echoing a lot of the same passion and desire which means that it's probably going to be a very successful partnership with them leading as we continue to pray for them. But just a couple of highlights that I want to take away from Allie. First off is the what she said, the constant pursuit of God in her life. I don't remember the exact wording she used, but it gave me the feeling of this just relentless pursuit that God had of her. And it reminds me of so much throughout the Bible is that God gives us that choice whether we want to accept him or not. Yet when we decide to make that decision and we do, we realize that the whole time he was chasing us down, that he was showing himself to us, he was running after us. 
right there ready for us to accept him. And while he gives us that choice, he is constantly pursuing us in hopes that we will accept him. Secondly, I want to highlight this bold and strong faith of Tanner, Austin, and John, right? Allie shared that in her testimony that John was her boss at The Perfect Life. Then he brought in Austin, who brought in Tanner. And the three of them were constantly showing them the love of Christ. And to be completely honest, while God was completely and wholly pursuing her this whole time, he used Austin and John and Tanner as a vehicle for that. And you can play that same part in somebody's life. God is wanting and willing to use you if you will boldly step out and be willing to be used by him. Finally, I want to highlight one thing that she was talking about that, that me and Allie both touched on. And it kind of overlaps with this bold faith of John Austin and Tanner. But it goes deeper than that. And that's the power of your testimony. You see, on all of these Abode podcasts, I ask all of the members to share their testimony. And we don't get really in-depth, and we could. We could give an hour-long description of our testimony and go really in-depth. But I ask for them to give a quick rundown, a big-picture view of their coming to Christ. And I just want to say that there is power in that. And there's a reason why we ask that every time, because testimonies are powerful. And so today for our Devo, that's exactly what it is we're going to be talking about is testimonies and the importance of yours. So to begin with, what is a testimony? To be most basic with it, your testimony is your story. It is your specifically regarding faith, your story of coming to know Christ, how God has worked in you and used other people to work in you. And it's a powerful thing that is becoming overlooked in modern Western Christianity. But the power of testimony is something that is centuries and centuries old. You see, 1 Peter 3.15 tells us to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have inside of us. And this isn't to say that we have to have some deep and well-thought-out theological statement ready to be given. It's not to say that you need to be able to sit there and talk about soteriology and Christology and pneumatology and eschatology and ecclesiology and all these other big words that Bible theologians throw around. No, it's why do you believe in God? And most simply, it's I believe in God because of what he's done in my life, because here's what I know. No matter how deep of a theology you have, no matter how many big words you know and how many deep arguments you can make, People can always disagree with your beliefs and with your statements of truth. But one thing that people cannot refute is the power of your testimony, is God's action in your life. They can say that this and this and this aren't right, but it's really hard for someone to truly discredit what you have personally experienced. So your testimony has power to begin with. It's hard to argue with your testimony. It's that reason for the hope that you have. And here's a couple things that I want you to know is that one, you don't have to have some deep and elaborate testimony. You see, so many people think that, oh, my testimony is basic. I grew up in a Christian home. I accepted God young and it kind of just happened organically, but it really isn't that way. And here's a couple of reasons. First off, Paul, when writing to Timothy, he says, I'm reminded of the sincere faith of yours. 
a faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice and now I am sure lives in you. So first off, there is a testimony and a power behind a strong lineage of faith. It speaks volumes of God's faithfulness to your family and your family's faithfulness to God. There's power in that, but there's also power in a testimony of radical change, right? And I for so long thought that my testimony was tainted because of who I was beforehand. And it's so weird because most people dream to have a testimony like that. But because of mine, I felt tainted like I couldn't share mine because obviously I had a past but the point of your testimony is to show what God has done to change you, to work inside of you, to, to fix that, to bring you to himself, to create in you a new person. First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light. Because that's the thing, whether you grew up in a Christian home and everything was nice and dandy and Christianity was natural and believing in Jesus was just what everyone did and you just followed in line, or whether you have a radical story to tell, regardless, you have a story to proclaim about God's mighty acts calling you out of darkness and into his marvelous light because that's the thing is that no matter how strong your family's faith was or wasn't you still needed a savior and that's why you accepted jesus and that is where the power comes in and so what exactly is that where does jesus come in at where does your testimony take shape well here's a couple of ideas to share about giving your testimony first off share your story and share it honestly. Be as transparent as you're willing to be because people can connect with that. People can connect with an authentic you and people can sniff out a fake. People can sniff out an act. People can sniff out a show. But when you are real and authentic and raw, people can connect. Whether it's through humor or vulnerability, you see, if you were the prom king or queen or the varsity quarterback or the cheerleading captain, whatever you were, that's great. And don't take that out of your story. But you also aren't the hero of your story. And so don't play yourself out to be that way. I did this for so long, building myself up to be this great person in my testimony when I'd share it and discrediting the work that God actually did. And I was playing the hero and God was just my sidekick. He was the Robin to my Batman. But God's the hero in your story, so be real and tell the problem or the pain that you had. Because whether you grew up in a Christian family or whether you grew up in the deepest and darkest of situations, you had a problem, you had a need, you had a void and an emptiness that couldn't be filled. And that is when you found Jesus who fills that. And that's why Jesus is the hero of your story. So share your story. Share who you were, all the good, the bad, and the ugly of who you were. That problem, that longing you had, your insecurities, your longing to be desired and accepted, whatever it was that you faced. Be willing to share that openly, authentically, and then share how it is that God redeemed you from that. Share God's rescue in your life because God is the hero of the story and the purpose of your testimony is to point back and magnify the work of God in your life. You see, Jesus loves you beyond reason, but he loves the whole world. 
And sometimes our big fancy arguments don't reach the whole world, but what people can grab onto and what people can relate to is your testimony, is what God did inside of you, that radical change, that problem, that pain, that void in your life that he filled in some way, shape, or form. Share it because your testimony has power. Just to recap those two verses again that I shared, 1 Peter 3.15, the second part of it says, Always be prepared to give an answer for the faith or for the hope that you have inside of you to anyone who asks of it. And then 1 Peter 2.9, about how God has chosen you, your royal priesthood, a chosen race. So sing the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light because your testimony has power. Your story is important. So one thing that I had to do was I had to think through mine because there's a lot to your testimony and sometimes there's a time when you can share an hour, two hours, three hours, the movie of your life, but sometimes people just want a brief two, three, four, five minute answer. I think the longest testimony that's been given on this podcast was with Austin when I was asking questions back and forth with him and it went maybe nine minutes. You can make a short snapshot summary of your journey, of your testimony. So think through that and how it is that you're going to share it. What is important to include in there and what can be left for your expanded testimony. But think through it and be prepared because you have a story to share. God loves you and God is calling you to love those around you. And sometimes the easiest way to do that is through connection and through your story. You've got the hope of the world inside of you, and we know if you turn on the news, this world is full of pain and struggles and all sorts of evil. And so the world is in desperate need of that hope that you have. So share it with them. Your testimony is powerful. People can argue with your statements of belief all day long, but they cannot argue with your story. So own it. Be bold with it like Austin and John and Tanner were and claim it and share it with those around you as you walk alongside them in your everyday life. If you're driving, don't feel like you need to bow your head and close your eyes in prayer, but whatever posture of prayer you would like to take, join with me as we pray for the abode Dallas. God, we want to pray for the abode Dallas and for Allie specifically, but Carla as well, God, we pray that Allie can feel that sense of you in that sense that she has the ability to be used by you, God, that while she may never be fully prepared, she may never be fully ready, that your spirit works in her, God, and that's part of her testimony as well. We pray that she can own her testimony, that her testimony can reach and impact the people on DBU's campus as well as anywhere else that she goes in Dallas with the abode, God, and in her life. We pray for the members of the Abode Dallas, God, these college students, that they can find rest in their week in you, that they can find life in you, that they can find a peace in you in the chaos of studies and homework and schoolwork and and work if they have a job and family, whatever it is, God, that they can find their rest and their acceptance and their peace in you. We love you. You are so good to us, God. It's in your son's holy and precious name through the power of your spirit that we pray. Amen. Friends, brothers, and sisters, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
go in the power of Christ and in the power of his spirit, continue to abide in him, and have a blessed week.